just want to begin by saying I don't know why I'm so emotional, but I think there's a lot that the Lord wants to speak today on um, a very difficult topic. And we felt for a while that this is something we need to address in our church, which is why um, for the last six weeks we've been really trying to build a foundation on, on Scripture and how important the Word of God is to our lives. So, um, I'm just going to pray for a moment, if you'll join me. Holy Spirit, come today. Would you be in my words, and on my mouth, and on my heart, and would you open our hearts to what you want to speak to us on this very difficult topic, Lord, and wherever we are at, Lord, today, whatever our story is, would you meet with us? Um, would you bring peace? Would you bring forgiveness? Would you bring love and your compassion and your care to us? In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well, over the past six weeks, we have been walking through the authority of Scripture and how what we read in the Bible, we want it to transform our hearts and we want it to transform our lives. We want to live for what we know to be true about what Jesus teaches us. And so I want to begin by walking through um, some of the foundational pieces that we've um, learned about so far. So um, first is that God is the only one who can create something out of nothing. When we read in Genesis and looked at the creation story, we learned about this word bara, which means that only God can create something out of nothing. Um, that is not a word that is described for something that we create. It is only God who can create something out of nothing. And number two is that God is the giver of all life. When we um, read the creation story, we see how God creates the entire earth, everything in it, all according to its kinds, and in including humanity. Um, we read in Genesis 2 about how God breathes life into Adam's nostrils. He brings um, humanity to life. And number three is that um, God gives a creational command and, in Genesis, which is that God commands humanity to be fruitful and multiply, to fill the earth and um, bring life to earth through what he has created. And so um, God loves to fill this world with people, um, to be in relationship, people who he loves. Um, number four is that we learned that we, Genesis 2 was not the end of the story. Um, in Genesis 3, sin entered the world, and we live in a broken world where sin um, has come into the picture through the enemy, which is Satan. And he wants us to question our identity in God. Um, we also learned about Babylon, which, is li which literally means confusion, and how the enemy is constantly at work to create confusion in this world, to undo what God has created, um, to conform to the ways of the world instead of to our um, God-given identity. And number five is, um, though we live in a world full of brokenness, God did not forget about us. Um, he had a plan um, to come to us through Jesus Christ because he loves what he made so much that he sent Jesus to draw, die on the cross for us to redeem this world. And I think it's important to note um, with our topic for today that Jesus was born as an infant. Um, Jesus could have very well come on the scene as a man and walked in and done his ministry, but um, God instead chose a young girl who was unmarried 
had an unplanned pregnancy and God used the Holy Spirit to bring an infant into the world who saved the world, and that was Jesus. And number six is that um, as followers of Jesus, then, we are to live for him and love like him. And it means that we choose to follow what we believe to be true about him um, and what we know to be true in the Bible. And so today's topic is on a sensitive topic, um, which is abortion um, and how God is the giver of all life. And so if you're a little caught off guard today, I hope you know that I will um, try and be as sensitive as possible on this. But we believe that it's really important for us to talk about this in the church um, and what scripture says about this topic. Um, abortion is the most frequently performed procedure in America. It's the process of ending the life of a child in the womb. And globally, one in four pregnancies end in abortion. There are 2,400 infant deaths per day in America due to abortion, which, to put that in perspective for you, for those of you who were around on September 11, 2001, that's nearly the number of victims from the total number of lives lost on that day um, from the attacks of the World Trade Center. Our culture is one that celebrates freedom of choice and even champions death. In Iowa, you can legally have an abortion at 21 weeks and six days. That's over halfway through a pregnancy. And there are other states, even right now, that are fighting to have no limits on when you can have an abortion. I remember recently when the Road vs. Wade um, <clears throat> laws were overturned and the outcry from people that somehow our government was not caring for them or taking away their rights. And even I was personally attacked by people, um, even on Facebook, just sending me messages about how unfair it was that even I as a Christian um, would support that. Um, or when we opened Myrtle's closet, um, our closet at the end of the hallway to support women with, um, with who are choosing life to have um, babies and the outcry um, from people uh, just through Facebook on how we could even do that. Um, our culture is just so backwards on what the scriptures tell us. For example, um, a drunk driver could get in a car accident and killing a woman and her 13-week-old baby in her womb and go to prison for manslaughter, and we would rage at the fact that there was a loss of life there. But that same person could have gone to college, become a doctor, made tons of money performing abortions, and our culture would put them on a pedestal as a hero. And I have to ask, how is that okay? Um, a lot of people think that this is just a political issue, um, that it shouldn't be addressed in the church, and the thing is that this is actually a biblical issue. This is a biblical issue with political implications. And so <clears throat> the Bible never specifically says you shall not have an abortion. Yet there is a considerable amount of scripture that God is all about life and not about death and undoing what he has created. Um, and unfortunately, there are many Christians who read the Bible and scrutinize it and twist it in a way to justify their choices of abortion. And so um, this is just a list of all the scripture passages that I have come across um, in the last few months as I have been studying as I've been preparing for this sermon, um, and these are all scriptures that talk about things like how children are a blessing, how the Holy Spirit is alive in the womb, how children are alive in the womb, 
how God has a destiny and a purpose and offers full and flourishing life and how God is the creator of life and we do not have the right to undo what God has created. So there are some things in our culture that we just don't adapt to because we know that they go against God's design um, and they are sinful. And this is one of those things that we as Christians need to stand firm in. So if you are looking into scripture and looking for any gray area on this topic, I want you to know that it's going to be really hard to find it. Just last, a couple weeks ago when we were in Arizona, I was talking with someone about how I was preparing for this sermon and I was really worried because I didn't want to offend people. I didn't want to upset people. And um, she said she'd listened to a song recently and the chorus said, Jesus, Jesus, why is your word so offensive? And it's so true. Um, when we read scripture, we can sometimes feel ourselves being offended um, because we struggle with what's happening in the world today and what Jesus tells us and how to live. And so you may struggle with what you hear today. Um, you may struggle with what you hear about scripture. And if, if you are wrestling with that, that's okay. But I want you to take that wrestling to the Holy Spirit or to someone like Andrew or myself or someone you know who knows the scriptures well and let's wrestle with that together. All right. So um, to move on, abortion has been around a lot longer than probably a lot of us think, um, going all the way back to ancient Israel. Um, when we look back at ancient Israel to the time of Moses and David and Jesus, abortion did still happen, and the ending of life for children was sadly a common thing. Um, but I want to make it clear that it wasn't among God's people. It was always among the pagans or the people of the world around them. Um, so first, um, if you know the story of Moses, the Egyptian pharaoh um, found a threat in the Hebrews, and so he ordered all the midwives to kill any Hebrew babies that were born on the birthing table uh, because he saw them as a threat. Um, when Jesus was born, Herod had boys under the age of two killed an entire region because they were a threat. Um, in Roman palaces, they would practice abortion on their prostitutes to end pregnancies, so they could continue that practice. And then there was also the practice of child sacrifice. In ancient Israel, abortion would have been unthinkable to an Israelite woman because they believed that any life given to them was a blessing from the Lord. Um, but then around them, in the culture around them, there was innocent blood being shed, and that was through child sacrifice. And so parents would sacrifice their children to other gods as a way of gaining favor or success from that god. Um, this wasn't new to the Israelites, and so... Um, when the law of Moses was written, um, it was written in Leviticus, do not give any of your children to be passed through the fire to Moloch, who was a pagan god, um, for you must not profane the name of your Lord God. I am the Lord. That's in Leviticus. And the punishment for doing this was death and God turning his face or favor from you. And to those who stood aside witnessing this and did nothing, they would be cut out from God's people. So when you think of why someone at that time, why would they do that? Why would they make that choice to sacrifice their child? It was because doing so would avoid potential danger or crises that could be placed on them from that specific God. 
So they would sacrifice their child in order to gain favor or success or to save them from destruction or ruin. For many people today, the choice of abortion is one to avoid potential risks that can come from having that child. Something like risk of reputation or education, career, having little or no support, um, maybe even being forced to make that decision. So in order to find a new road to success and favor in this world, they feel that their only choice is abortion. And so wherever you are at today, in our community, in our families, maybe even you personally, this topic has somehow touched you. But I want you to know that abortion is not the unforgivable sin. We are all in the same boat when it comes to shedding innocent blood, and that's the blood of Jesus Christ, who was the sacrificial lamb for us to save us. Um, we all are sinners in need of a savior. We all fall victim to greed, pride, or adultery. And God is not scared of those things. He's bigger than them. And so wherever you are at today, I want you to know, hear that God loves you right where you are at. God is a God of love and compassion and forgiveness when we turn to him. And so as Christians, we are called to stand for life. And it's because we believe God forms life, and that is very evident in the scriptures. Um, it's like God is a painter with his very own paintbrush, um, something that's only designed for him. He is the creator. He is the one who can create something from nothing. And because we believe that to be true, we stand on that truth. So today I want to walk through one of our passages that we read today um, from Jeremiah 1, 4 through 5. It says, the word of the Lord, so God speaking to Jeremiah, came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. This means that God forms us, that God knows us, and that God has a plan for us. So looking, we're going to break this down, um, looking at how God forms us. Um, God is the one who creates life in the womb. As we read here and then as we read in Psalm 139, we are knit together in our mother's wombs, uh, fearfully and wonderfully made, created in that secret space by God. And that means that God makes babies, and that doesn't happen after they are born. Um, here in Jeremiah, it says, even before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And so God is involved in every stage of human life, even before they are born in, or formed in the womb. And there's a big debate today in our world about what's the difference between a baby outside the womb versus in the womb. Is it a baby or is it a clump of cells? Um, what I want you to know is God is forming at every single stage. A fetus, an embryo, they look like what they are supposed to look like at that stage of life and development. They are full of living cells that are designed to grow and mature and maintain life with all its various systems. And the reason that growth is able to occur is because life exists there, life that is knit together by God. So let's just look inside the womb for a moment. Um, in 18 days, uh, there is a heartbeat. There is a heart that, and eyes that are beginning to develop. At three weeks, the the heart is beating and pumping blood through that body, and the gender is determined. At 28 days, there are arms and legs already forming. At six weeks, there are brain waves happening inside that child, and the hands are able to move. At seven weeks, they can move their head back and forth and interlock their fingers. 
At nine weeks, they can suck their thumb, and at ten weeks, they can yawn inside the womb. So what we see here happening is life coming to fruition in each stage that God designed it to happen. Um, I was recently talking with someone who talked about a man named Francis Collins, who is the director of the Human Genome Project, and he had a 15-long-year project to map out the human genome and the DNA, and in his studies, um, it, he went from being an atheist to a Christian, and it was because of the magnificent things that he learned, um, things like this. Um, this photo will hopefully come up. Um, on the left side for you guys is a picture of a stained glass window, like what we have all around here. Um, and then on the left is a view along the axes of the DNA double helix. And so it's just a beautiful image of how even on this tiny, tiny level that God is literally knitting us together on this in the DNA of who we are. And so it's just a beautiful comparison of how God is knitting us together from the very beginning. So what we need to do um, is we need to stop dehumanizing what God has created. In the womb, God is forming a human. And there's nothing that should rival against what God is doing there um, when he knits and fashions us together. And I think in our heart of hearts, we know this. Deep down, I think we believe that. Um, but then something with somebody may happen, and they feel that the only it's a difficult situation, and the only choice they have, or maybe they're pressured into that choice, or listening to the political debates of the world, they feel that the only choice to get out of that difficult situation is abortion. Um, and they don't know what else to do. And the best thing we can do is love those people right where they're at. And I'll get more into this later. Um, but I think in our heart of hearts, we know that God is working and creating life at this level. The next section is how God knows us. Um, it, the word known in Hebrew is yada, and it means to be distinguished, to be chosen, completely understood, to be brought forth and intimately known. This word is often used to describe the intimacy between a husband and wife, and that means that God knows us intimately in the womb, even before we are formed in the womb. And so that means in the womb that God knows you. God knew you then, he knows you now, and he was thinking about you long before you even knew him. The first time that you had thoughts about God was not the first time that God thought about you. He knows the number of hairs on your head, the secrets of your heart, your skills, your interests, and he even knows your sin and he loves you. The God who knows you sent his son to die on the cross so that you could know him. That's how much our God knows you. And then last is that God has a plan for us. As he talk, said to Jeremiah, he had appointed him to be a prophet even before he was born. And that means God had plans for you before you were born. That didn't come when you discovered it as a teenager or in your college years. He has a plan for every single one of us, um, a destiny, a purpose, and a calling. And that means that you were not a mistake. And I know I've said it before, but you are not a mistake. The person next to you is not a mistake. A child is not a mistake. God has a plan and a purpose for every single one of us from the very beginning. So then another debate in our world is, well, what about poverty? What about abuse? 
What about the health of the mother or the child? What about population control um, or children who end up in foster care? Was that God's plan for them? Or is it actually an act of mercy to end that life? And as I see according to the Bible, I would say no. Those circumstances are very difficult, yes. And we hate seeing those things in our world. We, we don't have the ability to look inside the womb and determine whose destiny, purpose, and calling is worth living and whose is not. Um, we aren't the ones who get to decide that. Um, consider the life of Jeremiah, um, who God spoke to in our scripture passage today. He was known as the weeping prophet. Um, his life was horrible. He was surrounded by a world of wickedness, and he was called to the role as a prophet to warn God's people to turn away from their wickedness, or God would turn his face away from them and carry them off to Babylon. And then when that happened, he was thrown in prison, and he escaped death many times, but then was eventually stoned to death because people didn't want to listen to what he had to say. That certainly doesn't sound like a great life, but God called him from the womb for a greater purpose for God's kingdom, and God loved him for it. So instead, when we look around at the brokenness in the world, we should be compelled to do something about it. Um, we should be just as concerned for the unborn as we are the needy and the widows and the orphans, the hungry and the abused. We should fight against injustice when it comes to issues of race or the treatment of the elderly. And we should obey God when it says um, in Proverbs 31, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. For the rights of all who are destitute, speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and needy. So this means that when we see an injustice, we should be part of the solution. Because what God creates, we should value. And what we value, we should act on. And so, what does that mean? What do we do then? How do we move forward with this? Well, first, I believe that if we are for life, as God is for life, that we should speak truth of the scripture, but also shine the light of Christ in that. Um, we need to be willing to sit down with others who are struggling with this topic. I wouldn't say go out on Facebook and do a huge Facebook post about this or get on a Facebook messenger and blast this message to people, but instead we need to sit with them one-on-one -on -one and have a conversation and share the truth of Jesus with them and share the love of Jesus with them by showing it. Um, be willing to ask them questions that lead them to places to see that God is for life and loves them and loves a child and has a purpose for them. This same God who created life in the womb created you, every single one of us, and loves you and died for you. We should also care for the orphans and the widows and families. We should be the first people to step up and offer a meal. We should be the first people to purchase clothes or cribs or bring a meal, to babysit for free, to visit those who are in need, cover costs when possible, and financially support and pay for programs that help support these people and offer resources to them. Just like how we have Myrtle's Closet. I love that we're able to do that for people. And then we should love justice and speak mercy. Um, too often, Christians are painted as hypocrites because of the way we respond to things like this, this social injustice. Um, so we shout, we yell, and shame. And what people need is to actually be shown the grace and love of Jesus. 
Um, when someone is in that position of an unplanned pregnancy and is scared or feeling unsupported, doesn't know what they're going to do, the last thing they need is someone telling them off. What they need is someone to sit with them and love them and care for them. And so today I want to end by just addressing um, four groups of people here, which will include all of you. Um, the first is that maybe you have walked to this road of abortion. You yourself, your family, um, maybe you were pressured into that choice, or maybe you pressured somebody into that choice. Um, could be recent, it could be a long time ago. Um, if you've never brought that time in your life to the Lord, perhaps today is that day. Perhaps today you were brought here for a reason, and it could be God wants to invite you to bring that to the Holy Spirit. And if you want to do that personally with the Holy Spirit, that's fine. If you want to talk to Andrew or myself, that's fine too. Or we have um, counselors with the Lighthouse Center of Hope who do post-abortion care. And maybe those are people that you would like to connect with. Just know that we are here for you. And as I said earlier, this is not the unforgivable sin. Because our God is a God of love. And he died on the cross to save you. Number two is maybe you or someone you know is considering abortion. I want you to know that I believe God brought you here for a reason too. Um, God has a purpose for you. And we are here as the body of Christ to love you and support you. And what I love about our church is when we express a need, we're good at stepping up and, and helping. And so let's be that for you. Come and let us know how we can help you. Number three is maybe this is just really not sitting well with you and you're like, I disagree with everything Allison just said. Um, thank you for listening. Um, thank you for listening to this position. Um, if there's anything, though, that has shifted in your mind that you're wrestling with or questioning, let's talk about that together. Um, bring that to the Holy Spirit and let's talk about it together. And lastly, for everyone, I want to challenge you to pray, to be risk takers that stand up for lives that, that Jesus died for, and speak truth with love and compassion. So lastly, I just want to share um, some resources that I found helpful. Um, the first on the bottom left um, the book pro-choice or pro-life by randy alcorn I, is a fabulous book and it actually keeps religion out of it pretty pretty well it's very scientific based um, but it was super helpful for me even in preparing for this sermon and going through what all of the different arguments are between pro-choice and pro-life which i don't even like that language but um, it's very good at walking through all of that um, a couple of movies um, unplanned by abby johnson and then um, the Matter of Life documentary up there, and then also the Unplanned Grace book. Um, in the lobby, there are some copies of The Matter of Life and Unplanned Grace. If you want to take those, um, you're welcome to. I think they're also in the church library. Um, so yes, I hope, I hope and pray that you were touched by this today, um, this very difficult topic, um, but I want you to know that God loves you wherever you're at. So let's pray. Lord God, we come to you and we say thank you for this message. Thank you for the truth of your scriptures. Thank you for your forgiveness and your love and your kindness. And wherever we are at today, Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would bring peace, bring comfort, and bring your care. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name.